Welcome to the 1000 Experiments Club podcast. It's your guide to building a culture of experimentation. Our goal is to bring you all the lessons and insights from the leading experts so that you can shortcut your way to creating successful experimentation programs. This podcast is brought to you by AB Tasty, a solution that helps businesses improve their user experiences through experimentation, personalization, and feature management. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 1000 Experiments Club. I'm Marilyn Montoya, and I'm here with our guest, Chad Sanderson, head of product data platform at Convoy. Hi, Chad. Thank you for being here with us today. Hi, Marilyn. Good to be here. Thank you for, for spending time with us. Um, Chad, can you, um, let's just dive right in. Can you tell us a little bit about you and what you do today at Convoy? Sure. Um, so today I run Convoy's data platform team. Data platform is our end-to-end -end data stack at Convoy. That includes our data warehouse, ETL, um, our data pipeline, streaming, BI and visualization, our machine learning platform, and then also our experimentation team. So not only do we work on the platform and the technology, but we also help with the culture and uh, spreading experimentation through the business. So it seems like you have a real complete um, A to Z, you know, scope within, uh, you know, building and executing and, and, and integrating experimentation into your, um, into your activity. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it's being in my position is pretty interesting because we get to see the problem from an angle that a lot of practitioners usually don't. That's starting with the data, thinking about assignments. So how do users get bucketed into control and treatment? What is the actual mechanism for that happening? Um, what are the different ways that a data scientist can conduct analysis? all the way down through the reporting and the long-term predictions that come along with uh, experiments, thinking about experiment results and applying them to our uh, year-end financials. So we definitely do get a, uh, a, a very broad view of experimentation end-to-end, -end, and that helps us think of A-B testing less of a, as a product or a feature or a platform and more of a problem space uh, that we're trying to tackle across many different components. This is really interesting what you say, a problem space, because I think that, um, you know, uh, and you've mentioned this in some of the, the work that you've produced and, and, and you know, um, that experimentation seems to be like this black box where uh, depending on your exposure to it or how much you've worked in it, it within it and within what space and, and company and context, you will have a certain degree of experience or insight into what those problems are. And, and it's, there isn't really a, a kind of standard approach or a kind of book approach. There have been some efforts, um, you know, uh, people like um, Ronnie Kohavi that have documented, you know, experimentation within, you know, uh, context like at the one at Microsoft or, you know, Airbnb, et cetera. Um, so, you know, what is your take on, on that space right now? Yeah, um, I, I think that's a good question. I think that for a very long time, experimentation hasn't really been considered a data science discipline. And when you look at similar disciplines, so similar areas that we own in Convoy, so data warehousing, streaming, sort of uh, batch processing, machine learning, these are all areas of a data function that very few people would say uh, are, are not engineering driven, are not data science driven. 
that don't require a lot of technical infrastructure, that don't require a, a deep dive into sort of understanding our like the, 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 the foundation, we have to build on top of the foundations of, of the business and be very intelligent about how we create these platforms and, uh, and scale them. And experimentation, I think at a lot of companies hasn't really had that same level of rigor applied to it. Um, it's sort of been thought of as something that anybody could do, um, uh, marketers, and, and this is sort of where it all started. And there's, I think, a long history and it makes a lot of sense why it started with the marketing team. Um, and then why it kind of gradually moved into, into product development. But it, it really, uh, even today, it's sort of ex experimentation really is, is not considered a uh, sort of data science specialty field. And what that has led to is a, a lot of the really great writing and literature and sort of knowledge collection that comes along with all these other data science fields that have these you know, compendiums of information that people create because it's really challenging in order to get it correctly mm -hmm. uh, or, or to do it correctly. Um, experimentation does, doesn't really have that, right? You sort of get more like best practices and tool tips and you do get blog posts that show you the best way to run an experiment, but, you, but it sort of lacks that really deep technical knowledge and technical best practices about how do you set up a platform? How do you do assignment correctly? How do you build a, a metrics library? How do you choose the, the right metrics? Not sort of surface level vague information, but like a very systematic approach to building platforms and, and, and using those tools and, and there being a very robust uh, open source environment. Um, that, that's just something that's been lacking for a long time uh, in the world of, of experimentation. And it's had a bit, it's had a really big impact, you know? Mm -hmm. um, the impact has been like lack of an open source community. So generally speaking, what happens when you have this very robust sort of open source universe is you've got a lot of people talking all the time about the best way to do things. You know, if you're using Apache Spark or you're using Flink and you're trying to do stream processing, there's a lot of conversations about, well, how do we actually do that correctly? What, are, what do we need to build on top of these tools to make sure they integrate with our other workflows? Um, there's, there's conversations on Slack channels that are just, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of lines with like tens of thousands of people that are all like high level professionals, all, all engaged in this debate. And like that level of conversation in terms of not just what, what are sort of the cultural best practices, but what are the actual implementation best practices of, of an experimentation platform and all these different solutions, that doesn't really happen. Um, and I think that's led to the field sort of being undervalued in some ways. Sure. It's made it really hard for me as someone who works in a data team to hire people that know how to do experimentation. Uh, it's, made it, it's made it really hard to sort of adapt like open source, some, uh, some open source technology that exists because there's just very little of it. Very interesting what you're saying. And I think, you know, you're getting at the fact that it seems like there is this, this, you know, there really is a maturity scale within this space as well. I think what you're talking about, what you're getting at is having an experimentation also be taken to that degree of like the expertise and, and the technical implementation and the, the collateral impacts that it can have by doing it X way versus Z way, right? And also you're talking about integrating this 
very deep into the business practices. So it's like not experimentation at a kind of level one or level two, but really deep into the cost of goods and also like acquisition revenue, like you're talking about PL and integrating experimentation into that so that when you are building things and you are deploying things, you are taking into account all types of variables to be able to really have something that is impacting your business in a more consequential way, I think is what you're getting at, right? Because this is like a, a deeper approach. Yeah, that, that's right. You know, the sort of the old world of experimentation tools, I think, was you have an IT manager and the IT manager facilitated a lot of requests from marketing teams, sales teams, product teams. Mm -hmm. And those teams said, hey, I need to be able to do this thing. I need a CRM. I need an experimentation tool. And then the IT managers would go out into the world and they do an evaluation of all these products and they'd ask some relatively basic questions. Does it work with our technology stack? Mm -hmm. Does this work with the React app, right? Mm -hmm. Does it work with Angular? Wh whatever it is. Sure. Then they would go and implement the tool and then people would use the tool and everything would, would be fine. Mm -hmm. But what started happening is the engineering team started having some issues with a lot of those implementations mm -hmm. and the IT team and the engineering team started butting heads a little bit and the engineering team and the marketing team started butting heads a little bit because the tools are sort of fundamentally designed to cut out the engineering team, not necessarily in a bad way, but the goal is uh, marketers need to have a lot of speed and they need to be able to deploy these experiences very quickly. Yeah. Um, and the engineering team started saying like, well, well, hold on a second. There's other things that we care about running experiments on as well. There are other things we need to think about when deploying these experiences rather uh, when we're, when we're manipulating the DOM. And so as these products started moving away from IT and the considerations started moving further and further and further towards the engineering teams that are experts in the space, mm -hmm. um, the evaluation criteria really changed and it sure. became a lot, a lot more similar to something like uh, a data warehousing tool, like a Snowflake or a Redshift, where now instead of it being driven by a marketing team or a sales team or you know um, even a product team in many cases, yeah. it's driven by a data engineering team or a software engineering team or a data science team that has a very specific set of technical requirements and they're thinking about scalability and they're thinking about how the platform is really going to deeply integrate with like their tech stack, not just on a surface level of like, hey, we use a React app, sure. but hey, we, we get our data from these data sources. Here are the important metrics that we have at the company. And this experimentation platform needs to be able to com consume that data. And there's some use cases where it needs to consume it in real time. And some, some cases where it needs to consume it in batch, like there's a whole, there's like a brand new set of criteria and questions that are, that are being asked now. And so that experimentation product is like shifting away from IT and then shifting more towards the, the data stack or the, or the data platform stack. Very interesting. And I, and I think so there's that kind of broad spectrum and you are definitely more on that, that mature end, uh, I would say. And, and, you know, I think that uh, also in a very specific context, I know, Chad, you and I had discussed on a previous conversation on, and I'm kind of, you know, going off on our main course of question, questioning here, but I think it's worth, you know, digging into this you know, that there are, there is experimentation, there is the infrastructure, there's the technology and the systems, but there's also an, an approach and there's also a, mm -hmm. a, a context, a context that's going to dictate 
what kind of approach you should have. And we were talking about, you know, like hyper growth companies versus like, let's say the Microsofts of the world and how experimentation in those contexts are different and should have different approaches. And you're not necessarily going for a scale approach when you're in hyper growth, but you're going for an impact approach. And I think like, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you summarized it really well. Um, when you get to this, and I, I worked at Microsoft on their experimentation platform team, and when you get to the scale of a company like Microsoft, which really isn't one business, it's a collection of many different businesses of being Xbox, you know, Office, these are all sort of very different business units with uh, different data sources and different technology, and they're run very differently. And, but when any of those, of those companies get to this massive, massive scale, um, introducing large changes comes with an enormous amount of risk because you could be affecting like quite literally potentially billions of people, right? Think about Office or, or think about Windows, right? If you were to make a really massive or, or maybe Windows is not the best. Uh, yeah, I, I think Office is probably a better example. You know, so, so many people use Microsoft Office and, and Microsoft Word and PowerPoint and all these other things. If you were to make a really big change and just push it out to 50% of people and that change was bad, the impact on uh, on someone's uh, uh, livelihood at work could be massive, and the other the, the other thing to understand with a company like like Microsoft is that, especially Office, is that that is a primarily it is a B two B company. Um, even though there are individuals who go in and sort of purchase you know subscriptions to to Microsoft Office, most of their big deals come from places like schools and businesses that are that are buying these licenses in bulk. So you could imagine if you have an entire school system and they're really negatively affected by a, a change from an experiment, that's gonna cause a huge problem. It's gonna cause a really, really big issue. And so the way that Microsoft goes about experimentation is much more iterative. It's much smaller scale. The, the features that they value are much more about catching bad things quickly and being able to immediately roll them back. And when I say catching them quickly, I mean like literally catching them in as near real time as you could possibly be. This is the same thing with Google, right? Google has an enormous blast radius. And especially if they're making changes to their like primary search engine, the primary algorithm, if you make a mistake or there's, an, or there's a bug that gets rolled out, you could literally be affecting billions of people. Yeah. And, and they just can't have that. The impact on, on their bottom line is going to be way too big. So they're taking this very cautious, very iterative approach. Mm -hmm. Now, if you think about Convoy, Convoy is in a very different position. Um, Convoy is trying to grow extremely quickly. It's trying to make a lot of money. And the reason it's trying to make a lot of money is because every year it's going through a round of fundraising. And when it goes and talks to its investors for that round of fundraising, it has to show we have grown by some very significant amount year over year, both in terms of our volume. So it's how many shipments go through the Convoy application and our revenue. Um, so if, we are, if we're doing iterative growth, then there's a really good chance that we, we, we may not be able to hit those growth goals and therefore um, get the funding that we need to eventually IPO. So the product functionality that our team is encouraged to target are big gains, right? We're going for double digit gains with every feature that we release. And so in that case, we care a lot less about being able to detect if something is bad immediately and rolling it back yeah. And more like being able to actually figure out if the features we're rolling out 
are impactful and if they're positive and to what degree are they positive yeah, and are they going to be positive for the yeah. Yeah, yeah right are they going to be positive for the next month are they going to be positive for the next six months are they going to be positive for the next year we also care a lot about cannibalization we don't want to roll out a feature that's really impactful and it actually hurts a feature that we rolled out six months ago that is maybe targeting a different section of users or maybe it's targeting a different a different metric and then we incorrectly report to our board or even to our ceo that um, you know this experiment improved this metric by ten percent, and this experiment improved this this metric by by ten percent, and and really they're they're just sort of making each other sort of alt alternate like that, and our and our numbers are are inaccurate. So yeah, depending and and of course this changes a lot if you're a small business as well. So if you're a medium sized business or you're a small company and you're not in hyper growth mode, so you're not trying to go after investor dollars year after year after year, you're going to have a totally different approach. You're going to have totally different features and totally different things that you care about. So mm -hmm. one of the things that I always try to advise people is like start with the measurement problems that you have. And from there, you can build out your experimentation culture and you can build out your system and you can choose a platform. Don't do it the other way around. Don't decide I need to do experimentation, go and get a platform and then try to retrofit your culture to that platform. So basically what you're saying is uh, in each of in, in, in whatever company you find yourself in business model, et cetera, you're going to have a set of metrics that you're, that you're tracking and you're trying to work on. So it's important for you to identify what those metrics are and then build you know, your experimentation according to those different metrics. Would that mean, so for example, like if I'm a company where, um, so I'm going to take some kind of typical set, like uh, verticals here, just to illustrate, you know, I'm, I'm a, a transaction-based company. I, I try to generate transactions. And what do we think about normally e-commerce versus let's say a subscription-based service, right? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get as many people to use my application or my whatever thing that I'm proposing as much as possible. So it's an, there's an adoption thing. Those two companies and those two teams are going to have very different approaches as to what they track or what metrics they're looking at. Is that, does that make sense? Oh, a hundred percent. I think every business is going to have pretty, pretty different metrics uh, depending on, on what they care about. Um, and so think, thinking about those metrics really critically before you go down the route of experimentation is definitely important. At Convoy, as one example, I mean, obviously we we care about sort of growth metrics. Like I said, we're in the process of growing, so we want to measure volume. We want to measure uh, margin. One area I've seen a lot of businesses mess up is that they only think about metrics that are being emitted from their client side application. And that might be something like the revenue dollars that we're recording every time somebody makes a purchase. Sure. And maybe at your stage of growth, that is not actually an important thing to the decision makers at your company. Maybe what the decision makers really care about is margin. You know, when, when Convoy sets its strategic goals for the year, one of the strategic goals that we really care about is margin of the business, the percent of, the percent of margin of the business. And so if everybody is running experiments based on revenue, our leadership and our financial leadership is going to say, hey, what gives? We don't really care about revenue. I mean, obviously revenue is important and if it's increasing, then that's great. But if that if revenue is not fundamentally what the business cares about right now, then you it's going to change the experiments that you run and it's going to, it's going to change the, the metrics that you, sure. you care about as well. Well, I think that's interesting because then that, that changes also the whole roadmap and the approach, right? Because if you ultimately want to focus on, on margin in this case, 
and I'm just going to, like I said, use an easy example to illustrate like, you know, product X is cheaper to produce and to deliver or to have. Um, So, and, and I have a target audience that I could propose this product or that product. And if I want to generate more margin, well, it makes more sense to build my roadmap around getting more people to buy product that is easier to produce and it's going to have more margin. I mean, it's kind of an exaggerated example, but is that kind of what you mean? Exactly. That's exactly right. You know, and if, if you're, if you're selling a, a radically higher volume of a low margin product, and uh, a, a very low amount of a, a high margin product, that may not be what the business wants at the time. Um, and I think that a lot of experimenters just don't think about these type of things. And one of the reasons they don't think about these type of things is because they're sort of dealing with the metrics that are available to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, oftentimes the metrics that are available to them are what they're collecting from the applications. So they're getting average order values and revenues and volume metrics. And the rest of those metrics that are really important to the business, like all the contributing elements of a margin metric, all of the, all of the metrics associated with cost, as an example, mm-hmm. um, are, are usually not in those front end systems. They're in the For back sure. end. They're in back end. Yeah. And, and so, and, and, and so, and this is exactly what I mean by like, you need to think about the, the, the business and the metrics and what you're actually trying to move and then build your experimentation program from there. Because if, if it turns out that really what you need is to be able to incorporate all of these backend metrics, and that's the primary thing that matters, you need, you're going to take a really different approach in your evaluation phase than if what you're really trying to improve is like, you know, number of sessions that a user has or, sure. or something or something like that. Sure, sure. I think what's interesting too is is like, it's just kind of this notion and you mentioned it earlier about kind of like a, a kind of a depth of the experimentation, like these very like, like surface or first level versus this kind of deeper integration in the approach to experimentation where it's like experimentation for the business performance versus experimentation to to, to optimize or to improve a certain metric that's very surface that doesn't go all the way down to like the bottom line. And, and it's interesting. I think, um, I think very, you know, maybe just the, a lot of the pioneer companies are really at the level that you're talking about when you're, you're really integrating that experimentation deep, deep into the entire business versus, you know, right now you're seeing a lot of newcomers coming in. They're just starting you know, so they're just starting with maybe vanity metrics or maybe like, you know, these kind of surface level or digital only. Does that mean for you, do you think that, you know, it's still worth starting somewhere and, you know, and, and there's some evangelization and education to do internally within the organizations to make that experimentation get more sophisticated and mature? See, and this is, this is a, a big challenge, right? Because the way that I've usually seen this develop is you have some person in an organization who really believes in experimentation and they're really bought into the vision. And they take that exact same approach, which is we're gonna spin up something, uh, do some like high level experiments on our website or on our on our mobile app or whatever it is. Usually it's on the website because it's you know pretty, pretty low barrier to entry there. And um, you know, run some like really small stuff show people side-by-side control versus treatment, show that we're doing this really new, interesting thing where we can run two versions of the website at the same time and we can record the difference in metrics 
and then go and socialize that and get a lot of people excited about experimentation and then start getting them to come up with like new experiments and trying to drive them to come up with, with their own ideas. The problem with that is that this is, this is you know, I, as a product manager, I would refer to that as an MVP, right? Like that is yes, an MVP. Uh, you, you, have, you have some like small scale thing and you're trying to grow it to a big scale thing. But the problem is, you, if you really want to scale something, so if you want to take an MVP to reach a million users or a hundred million users, you actually have to fundamentally rebuild it because the MVP isn't designed to support that level of scale. You can't just continually add features and add features and add features and add features and then get to a point where it works. You have to reconsider the whole thing from scratch and say, if we were to build this with the optimal end state in mind, how would how would we do that? Sure. And the method the method I described of onboarding experimentation in that way is sort of like that taking the MVP and consistently trying to optimize it over a period of years. And what a lot of people find is that it doesn't work at a certain point. Like they sure. you, you they grow out of it. Doing. You grow out of it. And but by that time, you've already invested so much into it. There's a good chance there's like an experimentation program team. There's a lot of people running experiments and they're sort of using this methodology. And really, the only way to do it right is to go and rip it out and start over from scratch and think about how, like, like what we were just saying before, how do you incorpor incorporate these back end metrics? How do you actually validate that your front end metrics are correct? How do you make sure that you're ex experimenting like deep in the product? Like that's really what needs to happen. And what I find is that it just doesn't happen. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the, 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 the cost to rip it all out is, is, is too high. You're just sort of stuck in this world. So I, I think that like starting with an MVP is valuable as long as when the MVP starts, there, the, the understanding from everybody involved is like, once we get to a certain scale, then we're going to go back and we're going to do this the right way. Sure. Then we're going to go in and, and get into the product and we're going to integrate, you know, the, the back end and the front end and have like really clean data pipelines. As long as that is the, 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 the sort of methodology that people use, then I think starting small makes sense. But I've, I've actually seen that implemented well, very rarely. Very rarely. Well, I think it gets back to a, a good point that you brought up about the data team and having maybe what it seems to be is that the data gets deeper or it gets more sophisticated because you're taking you're taking metrics that like as you said are not necessarily front end or their back end or their their compilations of different data points that create a metric that you design internally or whatever whatever that is whatever that data is you're going from something that is a little bit more available in surface to something deeper and if you have that mvp and you're working on it and you're testing it and you're iterating on it, it means that you're also getting more sophisticated with your data and that you're potentially going deeper into the business. I mean, right. ideally, that's what we would want a company in this situation to do, if I understand correctly. Absolutely. Um, that, that's exactly, I think, what we, what we want people to do. The problem is that, you know, a, a lot of times the flag bearers for experimentation are marketers. And these are use, these are fundamentally non-technical people. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think, you know, marketing is obviously a super important skill. Sales is obviously a super important skill. Mm -hmm. And it's, a, it's good to have a marketer being the standard bearer if you're trying to embed experimentation in the areas where marketing has control over experimentation, sure. which is normally, you know, a website yeah. um, or uh, email campaigns, things mm -hmm. like that. 
But as soon as you start to try to take it into the areas where marketers don't really have that much say anymore, the product um, in your like operational life cycle, in your, you know, like internal tools and customer service and things like that, that is where there starts to become a problem. Um, and, and that is where you need an engineering partner or you need somebody in operations to help you and, and be the standard bearer and be the flag bearer that can sort of deliver that message elsewhere in the organization. And also identify, you know, as you said, I think earlier, the real needs, you know, and like the real context, because it's not going to be the same, like what a marketing team might need to do the experimentation within their scope to the extent that they can and to to the extent of, of data that they have available to them. Like, let's say they, you know, even start bringing in like CDPs and data that, you know, like or data, data streams that are coming in from a data team that's preparing these things and somehow feeding data back out so that the metrics or whatever they're testing is feeding something else. Okay, great. We can get pretty sophisticated there, but it's still within that scope of marketing. When you're going into experimentation into a product life cycle or, you know, just a product ecosystem, it's a different problem, right? It's a different, yeah. And so the stakeholders are different. The problems are different. The data is different. The approach is different. And so it's interesting to, to, to hear you kind of really like point that out, you know, like there is that kind of, you can't just have like one, you know, size fits all strategy to, to experimentation. Exactly. I think that that's exactly the, the point. And, and that's why a lot of experimentation programs run into trouble is because they already have this great sort of marketing implementation of their AB testing tool. And they just want to take that and, and, it, and sort yeah. of paste it other places. And the engineering team is looking at this as saying, that is not going to work. That's not going to work for our use cases because of this reason, that reason, the other reason, a lot of great reasons you, you already mentioned. And then the team that's sort of trying to socialize experimentation gets really frustrated and they feel, why don't people want to use this tool? What I've seen happens a lot of times is all, there, there might be two tools at an organization. You might have, you know, your, your tool that all your marketing teams use. And you might have another tool that your engineering teams use. Mm -hmm. I've seen three tools within an organization. It is a tool that marketers use, the engineers use, and, and data scientists use. You know, even at Microsoft, really there was there there were multiple experimentation tools as well. The, you sort of had the bid exp platform, but there were also third-party experimentation tools that were used, and that was because the, the use cases were different. They solved uh, fundamentally uh, different problems. Sure. And. Um, yeah, so so that that's why I always recommend like before you make this huge investment, start with the the an all up problem. And this is kind of getting into the product manager side of the world, but sure. my process is usually starting with a one page document that has three parts to it. It has a high level summary of why this work is happening. We call that a no why at Convoy. Then we have a section for problems that just lays out, here's all the issues that we think are really important in the context of whatever it is. In this case, it's experimentation. And maybe a problem might be, we have a marketing team that would like to run A-B tests on their unbounced pages or, well, unbounced maybe maybe bad, maybe bad, uh, bad point there because you can do that pretty easily. But they, they wanna run uh, marketing experiments on their email campaigns. Um, we also have product product teams that are rolling out like big new features and they want to run experiments and and then actually point to the use cases where not having an experimentation tool resulted in a bad outcome for the business mm -hmm. right we tried rolling out this product 
and it turns out that uh, we actually did a really bad thing for our users, and it and it ended up costing the company $5 million over the course of six months because nobody caught it. And then you can add in things about measurement, right? We have, we have business teams and product teams that are saying that they made an impact and our, our, our P&E team and our finance team are saying, are, are, yeah. are saying, yeah, right. They're saying no, right. They're saying, no, it, it, it didn't have an impact, right? These, these are all the type of, of problems that you can categorize and sort of group them all together. And then the next, the next part of this document you can present is a vision. So what, it, what should the world actually look like? How, what can we implement that's going to make all, all those problems that we just listed actually go away? And how, are we, how do we do it holistically? How do we do it for the marketing team, for the product team, for the operations, right? Mm -hmm. And when you're thinking in that context, it's actually way easier to get buy-in for these types of decisions because you're going to the business and you're not saying, I want an experimentation platform because everybody cool is running experiments. You're going to the business and saying, if we do this, if we make this change, it will drive X amount in value for the company. And now your, your executives and your leaders can take that proposal and they can weigh it against all the other opportunities that they have. And if you're saying, if we do this, we're going to make 10 million more dollars or we're going to make X percent more program margin. Now they have something like concrete. And, and that is how you drive buy-in at the top. Right? The way that you drive buy-in at the top is not by holding a meeting with an executive and saying experimentation is cool. It's by showing them how experimentation is actually going to drive like top-line margin movements. It's, uh, it's, that's really good advice there, um, Chad. And I think that I'm hoping anybody listening will, will take note <laughs> and write those, those, those uh, suggestions down that they take that approach. Um, I just can't you know, help but reflect on um, how interesting it is the, the, the difference and the dynamic between, between marketing and product, but also from one business type and model to the next and like from one type of product team to the next, right? Because, and I think, you know, when you talk about product teams and you talk about, you know, feature development and you're talking about growth coming from the product, I think that there it's there where we have this kind of distinction also where you start seeing more of a consequence of the product development on the bottom line or more of a of a real impact that that can be had there versus like companies in which, for example, the product team kind of just functions as a as a channel for the company. I'll give you an example. So like, let, let's say, let's take again, this like e-commerce scenario. You'll have e-commerce companies that ha may have a native application on a mobile, all right? So a mobile application is not, you know, so this is what we're talking about in, for them. And then they'll have like a, a marketing team that runs like CRO programs or like they have like this extensive experimentation roadmap on their website and et cetera. And then the product team kind of, you know, is brought into this kind of, you know, optimization a CRO personalization strategy that is kind of led by this other team. And then you have companies in which there's disruption. These are companies that disrupt. So they have a product, a soft, a software, it can be a web application or mobile or whatever it is, that part of the service is the technology itself. And that's very different from a scenario in which like there's an e-commerce with an e a mobile application, right? And so I think that there's this, this, this nuance, this difference as well in the approach where in one, 
you might be working with tremendous amount of volume. You're talking about making these micro optimizations. Perhaps you're trying to improve the user experience on a mobile app versus like on the website, or maybe you're taking that one step further and saying, okay, I'm going to personalize my features based on like high high end, you know, VIP audiences or VIP users. And you're just taking this to the next level, but like to a certain extent. And then there are the companies where, you know, like, like Convoy or like, like a, a Spotify or even a Netflix or a, you know, or a whatever, like an, an Uber where you're, you're disrupting a space and your technology is part of that, is part of the value, is part of the service. So what you're innovating on, what you're building and what you're experimenting on is crucial to the business, right? It's crucial to the functioning of the business. So mm -hmm. there's more at stake there. And so the experimentation has to be more robust and more built into all these different metrics. Whereas the, the, the depth of it, depending on how, how deep you want to get in an e-commerce situation, you might not go as deep because I don't know, maybe the, the product team is not going to be, you know, syncing with, uh, you know, the, 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 um, the logistics and the and the production of the goods that they're selling. Do you know what I mean? Like there's kind yeah, of like this this weird like there's a disconnect between the the depth in which you kind of have to go in a hyper growth situation and our disruptive situation versus kind of like a commoditized area where you're just, you know, technology is functioning as a channel more than it is as a as part of the service. Does that make sense to you? It, it does make sense. I think that that's the right way of looking at it. And, and to, be, to be clear or to add on to that, I would say that every business has a product. Every business, e even e-commerce, they all have a, 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 and the product is always key. But the thing that changes is that in a technology company, the product is the technology. In a e-commerce company, the product is the thing that you're selling. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And yeah. so there's going to be like the, the further, the more degrees of separation you get away from the product, the less important innovation actually becomes. And so when you think about in an e-commerce business and usually why marketing has a lot of the say when it comes to experimentation over product yeah. is because marketing is the one that's actually driving the incremental sales of that product. Mm -hmm. And like you said, the product itself, the, the app and the website is really just a vehicle for marketing to sell this thing. Yeah. Whereas yeah. on something like Convoy, the app is the thing. That is the thing that people it's are using. It's the product using. you're selling. Yeah, exactly. It, you're right. selling the technology. So I, and, and this is, and again, I think this is why it is so important to have this conversation about what really matters, what really matters at the company. If you were to go, um, go somewhere like um, Target or Walmart or, uh, or, 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 or Home Depot, or like one of these, you know, big like companies that I wouldn't like, they have an e-commerce component, but you know, their primary, the, the, the place where they make the most money is their stores. Sure. And if you asked where would experimentation be the most valuable, I don't think anybody would say our website, mm -hmm. right? I don't think anybody would say e-commerce. They would, they would all say, in the in the store, the running experimentation at the level of the store would be most valuable, and so it's like this. This again is where I, I think people run into some troubles because a lot of the sort of experimentation infrastructure that we care about has sort of fundamentally been designed to work on a website. 
But when you actually think about the scope of the problem that experimentation really is designed to solve, it goes way beyond that. Sure, you know, A-B sure. testing, A-B testing started, the, the sort of digital A-B testing that we think about today, it started at, at, at Google and, and Amazon and Microsoft, you know, like 10, 10 plus years ago. The, it, that means that like it sort of fundamentally started with these tech companies and these tech businesses where the technology was the product. And so all of, all of the products that exist today are sort of snapped to that model to run experiments on technology products. Sure. And, and what, what's happened is that a lot of companies that are fundamentally not technology products are investing in solutions to help them run experiments on things that they don't actually care about in the, in the grand scheme of things, right? And, and, and so, and so that, that, that oftentimes leads to conflict and it also leads to churn because the person at the top of the business is like, I'm making a hundred million dollars in my stores every single year. Mm -hmm. And my website is generating a million dollars in sales and you're optimizing 5% on, on a million dollars. And I'm paying for a three person, four person team to do this. It just doesn't make sense, right? Sure. Like the, the ROI of that doesn't make sense. Sure. Um, and so, and like, th this is, this is why I sort of say again, you know, the, the, there needs to be a holistic strategy for scientific measurement. And I think it's awesome if the, the e-commerce portion of the web, and of course there are businesses that are like primarily e-commerce, like that, like that is their thing. Like, yeah. you know, that, that, that makes the most sense for them. Um, and so starting with the business and what the business needs and then tailoring your experimentation solution mm -hmm. to that, whatever that is, it, it is going to be a lot more effective. And sure. maybe the solution is, hey, we need, we need to have an A-B testing, A-B testing in place for our, on our server and, and on the client side, and that's going to handle these situations. But we also need like something in place to be able to handle like running an experiment in our store and sort of changing the way that we're organizing our shelves. Sure. And if we don't make this a holistic proposal mm -hmm. to our team, they're not going to care. Sure. Um, sure. And, and that's, that's sort of the framing I, I, try, I try to get people to take. I think it's interesting because you're really, I mean, you're talking about really taking experimentation into the entire organization. And so it's like, um, you know, uh, not, it's not, like you said, a, 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 a company where they make their most, most of their revenue in store, that's where it makes sense to experiment, of course, because that's where you're going to have the most impact. I think that the reason also that, you know, experimentation has kind of been started within the technology space is also because it's so much, it's so easy to do it on digital than right. you know, when you compare it to a store, like, like it's so much more logistics and movement and literally moving things around probably. And it's like, you know, if you have a hundred stores, well, maybe like five of them you do one way and the other 10 and you have to control for all these variables and some of these variables you can't control. And so, I mean, I can right. imagine there's a ton of things that go into experimenting with physical spaces, um, but very a very interesting discipline in my opinion though. Like I'd like to meet someone doing experimentation within stores. I think that's the, the there must be some, some really interesting um, <laughs> findings and all of that. But I think it's because of that, because of the fact that digital kind of lends itself to, to be able to do it more. So it's interesting. I think that it's food for thought, what we're saying here to, to people in management positions who are either already uh, investing in experimentation to some degree, whether it's in their product or whether it's in their marketing team, uh, to think about what experimentation could do to the high, highly critical 
components, parts of their company, right? And if it's e-commerce, if it's great, then, you know, there's a ton ton to do there and there's a ton to optimize there and, and good for you, you're on the right path and you're doing the right thing. If you're a company where you're making a lot of your money offline, then that's somewhere where you should be looking at and making sure that you're extending or you're orienting your experiments uh, or uh, experimentation strategy in a broader way. Yeah, you know, the, there was a, I, I was talking to a, to a friend earlier and we were sort of going back and forth about how, how do you make experimentation more accessible? How do you make it easier for people to, to get started and, you know, start making decisions? And my perspective might be a little bit contentious, which is I don't think there's a great way to do that because um, I don't think there's a such thing as a, as a free lunch. The, the act of conducting science at scale is really, really hard. Mm. And if you are conducting, if in, in the, like the situation you just described, if your business is primarily doing offline stuff, it's really, really hard to do a experimentation in a store. That, and this, right, when you look at academia, they put a lot of time and effort and energy into setting up experiments, these offline experiments, and they take a long time. Like there's really not a way to, to, to get around the fact that it's hard. And if you have a technology product, then it's really, really hard for other reasons. The scalability mm -hmm. is hard and working in the data warehouse is hard and sure. sort of ha handling all this. So, so you know, my, my perspective is like experimentation is just hard. And um, it's okay for it to be hard. When we, when we look at machine learning or the application of machine learning, I don't think anybody wouldn't say that doing it well is hard. It's, it's an incredibly challenging thing to do. And that's okay, right? It, it, it's okay. I, I don't think people look at uh, sort of streaming data at scale and having really clean data pipelines and making sure the whole business has access to this data. Everyone understands that that's a really hard thing to do. And it's okay that it's hard because mm -hmm. if it's hard, it means you need to attack it more strategically and less tactically to start with. You need to have a strategic plan on how you're going to implement this in your organization. And the other thing that I would say is that I know I've been talking a lot about experimentation, experimentation, but the, the, the way to really get people to start thinking in terms of experimentation is to go at it from the perspective of a trustworthy measurement. Right. If you're talking to a COO or COO or, you know, CPO, whatever, the thing that they care about isn't did we run an experiment or not? That's that is a, a meaningless, like abstract concept to them. What they care about is, can I trust my numbers? Right. Mm -hmm. Are these the right numbers and are we making correct decisions? If I decide to open up a new store in Fresno, I'm going to get some numbers about how that store is doing. And there's going to be some costs associated with that trade-off. And there's going to be some forecasts on how well the store is probably going to do and how much we're going to need to staff it moving forward. And the thing that I'm thinking about is, did I make the right choice by investing that money to build this store? And it applies the same with features. It applies the same with everything else. That is the fundamental question that anybody who's looking at a, a feature or a new program decision or whatever is trying to, 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 to make some kind of decision or, or judgment on. And that is where experimentation really shines. Experimentation gives you the ability to have a trustworthy understanding of what happened in the past, right? What really happened when we, when we rolled that out? Um, and so if, you're, if your goal is to sort of spread this experimentation culture, what I would recommend is, I've, I've already said, you know, go about it holistically. You know, think about the entire business, think about what's valuable, 
and spread the tenets of trustworthy science and trustworthy measurement and not so much experimentation, you're probably going to have a lot more success getting it adopted. Chad, thank you so much. Very, very, very interesting. Um, I think that this has been just so eye-opening on so many levels. And I think, I hope that for our listeners, um, they'll find that really useful and, and have some food for thought there to think about their own strategies, whether it's, you know, they're doing it on their website or app, or if they're a software company, how they're going about um, thinking about experimentation and building that into, into their whole, you know, product development um, cycle. Thank you so much. Let's, uh, let's keep the conversation going and uh, have a wonderful rest of your day, Chad. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And there you have it. Thank you so much for spending time with us. If you're looking for more insights on experimentation, be sure to subscribe to the 1000 Experiments Club wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for listening and see you next time.